This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Karankwa, and Hohokam people. And I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am one of your sir aunties. Uh, well, I am the sir auntie. I am one of your aunties, Charmaine Fury. And I am joined yet again with my partner in mixed auntie confidentialness. Mixed auntie Teresa. <laughs> Today, this is our, so this is our 10th, our 10th iteration of mixed auntie confidential on Militantly Mixed. And we are honoring the month that we are in black history month and talking about a number of things having to do with black history month mixedness and blackness 1619 project all kinds of tinks yikes (laughs) so we decided we wanted to talk we we did want to honor black history month of course but we wanted to kind of talk about it through our experience watching through the 1619 project which um i guess they were kind of spacing out the episode so i didn't even notice that they had ended up releasing um, the last six or last four while I was on the road. So now streaming on Hulu, 1619 Project. Mm. I believe, Charmaine, that this series is an absolute, without question, unequivocal must-see mm-hmm. for, first of all, mixed Black people. Yes. Then their families and friends of people who care. Mm-hmm. Okay, especially... However, this is also a must-see for anybody who wants to honestly understand this country. Right. And um, as folks may or may not know, the 1619 Project is the brainchild of a Black, white, biracial woman, Mm -hmm. celebrated journalist who worked or maybe still works for the New York Times named Nicole Hannah-Jones. And Nicole Hannah-Jones in 2019, because that was the anniversary year, mm-hmm. came out with a really um, groundbreaking project called the 1619 Project. Mm-hmm. It came out first as a series in the New York Times newspaper. They made it available as like special inserts. And I think there was then a magazine version. It has mm-hmm. since been remixed and reincarnated on several platforms. Yeah. I think it's a book, a children's book. I came to it from the podcast, so I I had missed it in the New York Times. It, it, it was a six episode series podcast, and it felt unfinished because when that six episode ends, I'm waiting for the next one, and by then the drama had started in trying to shut her down and yes. and and yes. prevent Americans from having access to information about the 1619 Project yes. or just the history of enslavement here in the United States in general. Yes. Uh, but, but then since then, the book came out, which was a more extensive version of maybe a yes. combination of what maybe ended up on the cutting room floor that they could kind of, you know, get more into in the book and everything. And yeah, um, there's children's versions of it. There's a school curriculum that was created 
and in some cases prevented from having access. I live in one of the states that it's prevented um, in. But I think the probably the best way for it to filter out to the population is through this Hulu series. And honestly, this Hulu series could go on and on. It, oh. it, could, it could cover so Cheers. many things and like yeah it could it could go on and on yes. um for now i don't know if this is the complete series but for now we're up to episode six and and every topic is basically a one word thing and we're getting into it episodes one being democracy two race music yes. capitalism yes, so. fear and justice and um and so what we're probably going to talk most about is the first two because we've both gone through those two um in addition to just mixed blackness yes. and blackness in general. Uh, I think she comes in real strong yes. with capitalism. So, I, it starts out where I think it needs to start out, which is that America does not exist. Oh, oh, America does not become oh, what it becomes. Does not exist. If not off the back of enslavement, if not off the labor and the yes. bodies of black people. And since a black people enslaved people were here before even the Mayflower, which is what everybody kind of thinks of as the start of, of what's going to become America. Uh, our ancestors were here before this country was formed. This country was formed yes. because our enslaved ancestors made it possible for them to capitalize on creating a new country. And um, I think it's the, it's the perfect topic to, usher the series into capital absolutely absolutely and um so yes the series you know six six episodes on hulu an easy watch something i noticed today um that caught me a little off guard my my son and daughter are grown now but it says you know mature you know for me you know, yeah warning. it does have a disclaimer yeah. only, and i thought okay because i would I, I want to just say to folks, I mean, you know, if you are parenting or guardian of young folk, you know them better than I do. But I would mm -hmm. I would have had my children watching this in elementary school. I don't I mean, feel I, that it's any harder than any other other things we see. Yes, there are some pictures of enslaved people and the, the you know. Right, but they're the, going to, if they're black, they're going to see that. We're going to see that shit, right? Like, I, yeah, I mean. going to see that. Seventh grade yeah. is when I remember really being exposed really heavily to the stories about civil, the Civil War. And um, also we watched like the Ken Burns Civil War thing, you know, uh, documentary, yes. which is a very long documentary, which of course you're going to see those same type of things. And the subject matter itself is, I mean, I feel like this is a Hulu thing. Th this is a placate white people thing to say oh we can't we can't talk about race we can't talk about enslavement we can't talk about injustice towards black people without you know be careful you're gonna hear something you're not comfortable hearing um whereas mm, like point. we live this yeah. discomfort so our people live yeah. this discomfort so i don't feel I'm seeing anything in this program and, and I'm, I've just gotten into the fear episode. So I've, I've, I'm like 10 minutes in, I'm barely in it. Um, we haven't even gotten to the parts that could be really, really hard to sit through um, yet. So far it's all been informative, educational, maybe slightly academic, but, but realistic too about, about what's happening. And she's lacing 
the story of America and and black people here into her own personal family yes. situation, which is something we were talking about off uh, offline beforehand. Yes, and that's so important because so I want to quote her. So in an interview, she says, uh, "This is the story of America. That's our argument." You can't understand the story of America without understanding the story of slavery and black Americans. Okay. So that, and I also want to give a shout out to Queen Oprah because Queen Oprah was one of her co-producers and executive producers on this. And um, so a shout out there because, you know, that's important too, that, that, that Oprah wields and weaponizes her power very strategically mm -hmm. and very wisely. And I think does so beautifully here, right? So these are all, like you said, this series could go on for the rest of our lives with another yeah. episode every week or whatever. And not just in February, not just in February, not just in February. <laughs> but, um, and never be finished because yes. the stories are, first of all, the stories are continuing and she does a great job of weaving those together and I agree with you, but I think it's super, I find it, you're that, you made a good point where maybe that mature warning is, you know, some kind of code for, you know, maybe it might trigger white fragility, but I thought of it, you know, from an age point of view. And I was like, I would definitely have young people, especially if they're in a household where you talk about race and racism mm -hmm. openly and honestly, um, it can also from a black perspective, um, I have to take a breath before I click on there. You you, you got to put on your vest. You got to put on. You got to be ready. Yeah, because you're gonna get because you're gonna get some triggers. Okay. Yeah. Not as many. I mean, you do. You just know that you are. It's not. You know, and everybody. We all have different triggers and stuff. But what I've found is that the way it's done. It's not, that's not problematic. There's a whole lot of stuff I can't watch. Just like millions of us. Sure, we yeah. Out. We just have to opt out. Not because we don't think it's wonderful, because we don't want it to succeed. Not because we think it's not good quality and not because we don't want it out there. Our psyches are yeah. just, we have to protect our own psyches, our own souls and our own trauma triggers. So yeah. this is not, I haven't found it to be, you know, massively triggering. It's just super well done. I think everybody should watch it. So the other thing I know we want to groove on is Nicole Hannah-Jones, who mm -hmm. uh, I think she's first generation black, white, biracial, is yes. in it, is in the episodes mm -hmm. and shares her family story. Beautifully interweaves yeah. her own personal family history throughout Mm -hmm. And I think that from a militantly mixed perspective, yeah. that definitely speaks. <laughs> love, us, love us to dive into. Yeah. What was important to me off the jump is, I, I mean, I, I did know she was a black, white, biracial person who was very aligned in blackness, very much like, I mean, I'm not black, white, biracial, but very much in the way that my mixedness is, is that mm -hmm. I know I look like this, but I'm black. And before the show, even before I even started Militantly Mixed, my friend and co-host that I do Blurred Comics with, we have we've said since we were kids, we're mixed, but we're black. And it was something that came up. And I don't remember which one of us was the one who said it first, but it's something we've said since we were kids together of just like when people encounter us and they want to separate our blackness from our experience. And it's like. I get that I mix. I will not deny that I mix. I mean, shit, I'm ambiguous a lot in my presentation, but I'm black and my alignment is black, whether I'm politically black, 
culturally black, what, whatever it is, this yep. is where my alignment is. Absolutely. And um, so to see someone like Nicole uh, Hannah Jones come out as that l- loud black voice, but is a mixed person, obviously her presentation is a little bit more obviously black than mine. Um, but I think it's, I think she's an important type of person to tell mm-hmm. this story yes. because it's, it's one thing to just acknowledge the fact that um, mixedness is a big part of, of black Americanness. We can all, you'd have to be real delusional to try to say it's not the case. Exactly. It starts in enslavement. It starts from there. Yeah. They had to create classifications to determine what we got to claim and what rights we had access to based off our parentage because it was a problem in quotation, you know, back, back during enslavement. So to tell the story of mixedness or to tell the story of black Americanness is to tell the story of mixedness as well. Um, The difference is, is that we are vocalizing mixedness now versus just rolling into blackness like we used to. Yes. Right. And in my case, that was all, that was always going to be the case once I left the neighborhood I grew up in because outsiders would not see me as black, whereas black people would. So I had to develop a language around explaining that I'm black, but I'm mixed. You're you're seeing something different. So for a a black, white, biracial woman who is aligned in blackness, which I think is also very important, even though she has a white mother, she's Mm -hmm. grounded in her blackness. Her, Her father made sure she understood, yes, your mother is white, but you are walking around as a whole black person. And that's how you're going to be treated. That's how you're going to be received. And whatever limitations that you may experience is probably going to be based around your blackness versus the fact that you have a white mother. Exactly. And while she hasn't said anything specific about this yet, I think what we can kind of determine based off of being mixed black folks ourselves is that her mother wasn't shying away from the acknowledgement of her children's blackness, which is something my mother did, something your mother did, even though our mothers are not our black parent, both of our mothers were immersed in the culture. I don't know that to be the case for, for Nicole, but given that she doesn't move white aligned, it makes me feel like her mother must have also embraced the choice that she made in it does seem like person. that. And she shows and ref- and references, and she's from Waterloo, Iowa. Yeah. So she's sounds a white. Wider place, <laughs> much wider place than you and I combined. Right, um, right. From Waterloo, Iowa. But she references and shows photos mm-hmm. and footage mm-hmm. of Black. There were a lot of, so there's a lot of Black family gatherings. Mm-hmm. And we, it looked like strong, close relationships. Um, As so you yeah. get further into the series too, she does have her cousins that she's very close to. Her uh, who's a dark skinned black woman I and just, that's their sister cousin. That's yeah. why I left off. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. an emotional uh, section. But um, yeah. similar to my upbringing, I think is what I'm related. I here's what I'll say. In everything I've done so far, in in I'll be honest, I have the physical book, but I've listened to the audio book of 1619. I listened to the podcast. What is great about this program is getting to see this light-skinned Black woman who is Black, white, biracial, who is Black aligned, tell this story the way she is, interweaving her own story with the history, 
it's so relatable to me. It's as if it was made for me. Mm. Like in general, it is made for an American audience to understand like American history at its core starts in, in enslavement. You know, like we, we can't, we can't divorce ourselves from that. That's right. It's important that Americans of all colors and creeds and stuff understand this, but it feels like a validation to have a project like this done by a woman like her aligns so closely to what my experience was that there's times on this show that I will feel like, how is it I am the only mixed black person who has this black alignment who looks ambiguous like me you know like right because i do i meet a ton of of mixed folks and and of the mixed black folks i meet there's times when i i don't have the same experience as them and i feel like i was just in this weird little bubble of mixes that like quote like allowed me to maintain blackness despite my ambiguity right whereas like hannah's story or hannah um nicole hannah jones her story is so similar and different, but very validating. And it feels like this series was made for someone like me. Like you already have exposure to this. You already understand a little bit of this, but here's some more history behind the history you don't know. And that's what I feel like I'm getting out of this so far. And it's, I think it's really beautifully done. It's thoughtful mm-hmm. in, in the approach. And mm-hmm. having these one name titles. Yes. they It just... It just drills at home what we're about to experience. We're talking about yes. capitalism today, and capitalism is based off the bodies of Black people. Today, yes. we're talking about race. Today, we're talking about gender. Today, we're talking about motherhood. You know, like, yes, these, these um, it gets you there before mm-hmm. you even get into it. And yes. also, just to, to point out to folks, if you're not noticing, at the beginning of every episode, it tells you what essay from the 1619 project yes. the episodes are based off of. Yes. So the first one is based off of um, uh, Democracy, which is a, a Hannah Jones piece. Um, and that piece has been done throughout, like through the podcast, through the writing work and stuff like that. So it makes sense for her to jump off off of this first piece. And then the second episode is based off of an essay written by Dorothy Roberts. So like each one will tell you who's the essay yes. based off of. Yes. And then you get a dose of those people in some yes. of the episodes. Oh, um, so wonderful. And they're more conversational. So it's like, mm-hmm. here's the thing you've written. Here's the thing we're showing. Here's you and I, you know, having a conversation over coffee or sitting yes. in a park or something like that. And it, yes. I think it's really beautifully done in that respect. I love what you just said. Um, and I feel that way too. And I love how you just articulated. It. And I think that's super important for this audience, our family of cousins mm-hmm. and their family members and loved ones to really hear is that regardless of your mix and how you align, mm-hmm. you know, um, this can be validating and not just validating, but incredibly informative. And again, informative in ways that the word, the, the, the phrase that kept coming to me, it's one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> you know how you, fo- you yell at people to be their mixed ass self. I yell at people to connect the dots. <laughs> this series connects the dots. 1619 in general, but this series does a beautiful job because none of us is an expert in Black history, in Black American history, most Black people, unfortunately, aren't, unless they are actual historians, 
right? So I tell people all the time, you know, don't feel bad for what you don't know, because most African-Americans, unless you grew up in an extraordinary environment, you don't, you aren't necessarily steeped. You couldn't necessarily win Jeopardy or a game show or a trivia show on Black History. You might know some things and I might know some things and we might know a lot of things, but this series for race, music, capitalism, fear, and justice connects dots in ways that I want to say few things do, few, few platforms do, certainly Mm -hmm. few TV series do. And I think that to me is the value and the genius of it and why Mm -hmm. it's so delicious and so nutritious and so (laughs) important to consume. And it's not to say that like any of us that are public speakers or, or people who are, are like out in the world talking about race and identity um, don't come with our problems. Like, you know, we all, we all have our things that we haven't worked out with. We haven't decolonized, we haven't deconstructed enough. And, um, and Nicole has received some heat in community and out of community. And with the out of community, we understand it's just this resistance to understanding the true history of the United States because it puts white people in the frying pan, I guess. Um, and they want to pretend that this stuff never happened and they don't want to yeah. have to relinquish the riches that they've received as a result of the actual history and stuff like that. So with that, I'm, I'm going to dismiss that off the jump because it's like, I already know what your motivations are. When it's inner community, I get confused about some of the motivations sometimes because sometimes I do feel like it is that programming that we have, that interpolicing that white supremacy has taught us how to do and any opportunity to cut down a person who's telling us the truth or um, or a black person just out in the limelight at all uh, is this sort of knee jerk reaction. And there's certain people that are always going to do that. And then there's yes. the times when like, yeah, sometimes you are responsible for the heat that you got. And and I do remember there have been a few times of tweets or something like that, that Nicole has gotten like heat on be- or the biracialness of it all seems to come forward, which I'm saying that in a sarcastic way, because it, like that, that thing is as if we're all coding at some point or another, we'll all show our biracialness or something like that. Oh, right. I, I, like it's a I don't love it. Yeah, right. like it's a personality. I don't love it, but I know that she has been accused of this on occasion. And I feel like I'm not seeing any evidence of that person that has been has, has received that attention. I'm not seeing that here in this series. This seems very thought out, very curated. Yes. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a bias or anything like that. Maybe it is. I don't know how you could watch it in in community like from from a member of the community and see that the person is not trying to to tell a story that's going to make it a little bit more understandable not just to black folks but to non-black folks mm-hmm. what what the history of this country is and and no one's in trouble you know like we're just we're just trying to acknowledge the past i think is what's happening here we're trying to acknowledge it and she ties it into the present really beautifully mm-hmm. and as well, and in, that's true. And I think any, any, you know, she's gotten heat. She's going to get heat. Look what she's doing. And you're, you're right. If it's in group, I mean, sometimes there's competition. Sometimes there's ego. Sometimes there's turf wars. Sometimes there's, well, she's not an academic. She's a journalist. Let me remind you. I mean, people. she's at Howard now, right? Well, yeah, she is at Howard. But let me also, says somebody who's also a journalist, remind you that, you know, the saying, journalists write the first draft of history. Um <laughs> 
so yes, I mean, all of those things, but I do, I do think it's, and I love that you brought this up. I think that we've got to be real careful and not hold, dismiss things out of hand because mm-hmm. they're not perfect according to everyone. Right. I which think we impossible. have to, right. Which is, first of all, nothing would ever be created. This show wouldn't okay. exist. Nothing would exist if it had to appease and appeal to and pacify everyone. Right. It's just, that's just not even possible. So, um, you know, and people can say, well, I don't like the way she did that. And you can say, well, that's fine. What about the information she's sharing? About the information? Yeah. Again, these connecting dots. She connected a dot. I'm going to mention a dot. Just yeah, tell me it. a dot. Let's talk, let's talk about dots. Okay. That was because I gasped. And this was right before this recording took place. So oh, okay. So I was watching um, the end of this episode, which is about music, mm-hmm. black music, because there basically isn't any music in the United States. Without I mean, music. like literally every, every form of music ties back to. Yeah. If you did, if you did, if you yeah. don't know that, you know, yeah. go, go ask. Watch somebody. the episode. Now you'll understand. <laughs> Watch the episode. But what she does something at the end of that episode to transition, I think, into the next, the third one, which is capitalism that took my breath away and what it was was at the end after we finished talking about music we started talking about black people as property um and there was a showing um enslaved black people picking cotton mm-hmm. and talking about and then oh, there yeah. was a voiceover from somebody about how many pounds of cotton had to be picked and yeah. transitioned to an amazon warehouse yeah. Well, yeah, that man's voice. Me and you were like, thanks. okay, you know what? And li- listen, I yeah. am an Amazon hoe. <laughs> not, not because I love, not because I ever want to give Jeff Bezos any more it's money. And yes, convenient. I think he should be paying all the taxes. Yeah. And yes, I know they aren't. Okay, but let's be honest. Okay, the world, I did just, just, hey. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the point is. You know, if I were to boycott Amazon, like I'd have to restructure my entire digital world and, yeah, no, and many 100%. other aspects of my life. I'm not saying I'd never do it. The point is, that is what you call amazing filmmaking. And when you could juxtapose yeah. a, a more than 100-year-old voiceover talking about we have to pick so many pounds of cotton a day and then show an Amazon warehouse, y'all. Yeah. An and that episode... I have watched it and the correlations even down to like how we itemize stuff and how we assembly line stuff, the the way they make that, the way they connect that dot. Um, So yeah, so that is actually a really nice, and it's kind of jarring because like up until each episode you're, you're watching through democracy and then you get a hit about, um, you know, black mothers and their safety in, in mother and like that. And you're like, Whoa, that kind of jumped out at you. And then the next episode is about that. And then the third one does the same thing. And it, but it's jarring to come off of the music thing because up until now, without even really thinking about it, music is a good version of that, right. Of this stuff that was taken from black people Absolutely. And co-opted or made more palatable for white people just so that, that they can exist. And then you you get shamed if you tried to credit back to the origin, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And so for it to go from that topic into boom, cotton picking and 
uh, Amazon, Amazon warehouse. And listen, no like Bezos. pay them taxes, let them workers unionize. Yeah. The words that are yeah. used, like the totes are the bales and the, you know, like there's so yes. many things that, yes. uh, so yeah, it'll get even more jarring once you get into that episode. I so, know, like, I know. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But so, yes, there was something regarding mixed people. Yeah. Um, that I learned in the first episode. Okay. And I may have seen or heard this before. Again, you know, you don't always, Sometimes we don't always completely digest right information. Right but I, but again, one of the, okay. One of the reasons this series and the whole 1619 project, I feel, I recommend it so highly and I feel it's so effective is that, and this comes from being a great journalist and she is, um, is that things are presented very succinctly and there is all meat and bone baby. There is no fat. I'm saying there is I mean, no fat. True. There is no fat up in here. So there's a, I think it's from the first one race. I wrote it down and um, she talks about, and this is, we get into mixness right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, and the funky beginnings of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. She talks about how, and I don't remember the exact, you know, watch the show anyway, but um, during the enslavement and during the trans transatlantic slave During enslavement and the transatlantic slave trade, there was a point at which uh, this country could no longer import African people to be enslaved. And she gave a number somewhere in the neighborhood of, again, I am paraphrasing y'all, watch the app yourself for the numbers, but um, 770,000 or something American enslaved Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. in, in this country, right? And she said, so the slave owners were like, well, we got to increase this population because (laughs) we need them. We need more of them. And so we all know, you know, um, they basically, the slave owning white men and guessing many, if not most of their family members, I mean, I don't know if there's any Mm -hmm. documentation, you know, were enthusiastically enthusiastically raping mm-hmm. every black woman they could. And so then come and there, these are the terms. And I know these are triggering for some people, but in this context, this is just real. Mm-hmm. And so then you got first gen babies mm-hmm. and she explains how before enslavement, you know, identity was based patrilineal I mean, mm-hmm. we are in a patriarchy, but I do want to get into this. But they, but, oh no, we, we, that, they daddies is white though. Yeah. We cannot have this because we, you know, and, and they, and there was a lot of forced breeding sometimes between the black and slave people. Yeah. Because they wanted certain body types to perform certain actions. And so they they wanted different, different very similar to animal husbandry, same methods, same same techniques. So, so understanding, and then they'd be, doing the same too often probably their own daughters i don't even know sisters uh, it gets worse yeah worse. But i i do wonder quadrants, when you get the octoroons and again i'm not throwing out these terms to be problematic we are in 2023 i'm not using them I in mean, 2020 they're literally the classifications that were created by these rapes yeah yeah by these rapes that's how they were created by rapes we were created by rapes we were raped into being and yeah. so um that's really important. So when, you know, whoever it is wants to um, 
try to disengage mixed Black American mm -hmm. history and presence and life from Black American history, presence and life from American history and presence and life. You can't, you can't untangle those threads. They are too inextricably interwoven together. That's why even in dark skinned families where most of the people are darker skin, there's always a rogue. Always. Light skin. You know, there's always one of always. us that, that pops up somewhere. Or um, a feature or a hair texture that. Or hair texture. Or necessarily why, why do we have so much red hair? Because of, you know, you know, like things like that. Yes. I mean, I know, I know red hair does originate on the continent, but a lot of the people who came here did not have red hair. Exactly. So, you know, like hello. exactly. But um, she, and so she, I like, and she doesn't hit you over the head with it like I am. Yeah. But I think for this audience, for this context, for this conversation, for this, yeah. and for anybody, and this isn't to say if you're mixed black, you got to align with blackness. You know, that's not my position or our position. Yeah. Okay. So please, please, please understand it's that being your mixed SO, not. Our yeah, your mix that stuff. We're not, we don't, look, I don't have the bandwidth to police anybody. Yeah, right. I'm not interested in policing. Be your mix, be your, as you said, be your mix that self, not, you know, I'm mine, you're you, blah. But, do you, and, and to the, you know, the black people who want to gatekeep us out starting the last couple of years, mm -hmm. I would challenge them with this as well. I'm like, are you going to retrofit this yeah. gatekeeping for 400 plus years? And how, how do you tell the story? So whether you go back to just right during the last years of enslavement and post-enslavement with the Frederick Douglass, first generation by, black, white, biracial, right. created by, you know, up to a Nicole Hannah-Jones, 2023. Right. Okay. And that's not to say that we need to be privileged or prioritized no. or anything else, but just like you can't tell American history without telling Black American history, you can't tell it without mixedness. However yeah. you process mixedness, like it, love it, hate it, whatever yeah. it's it just, is, it's just in, by nature. Yeah, I want. I do want to get into this because I, I talk about this. I talk about this a lot just because of the way that I identify versus the way I'm told to identify. Right. Um, in almost every culture, there's very few cultures that are matrilineal and, you know, Jewish cultures being one of those that is yes. matrilineal. Um, there are, uh, I think Nigeria also does kind of go through your maternal line to a degree as well. Sure. No, Jamaican, Jamaicans. Oh, Jamaican um, okay. And the reason why I say this is because I had a guest who was Jamaican and Nigerian. And so oh. in, in Nigeria, she is her father's child. In Jamaica, she is her mother's child. So they're fighting over who each parent fights over what identity she's supposed to have. But also in Jamaica, the same dynamic. You know, yeah, Jamaica has the same thing. So, and then it, you get down to someone like me, um, on my birth certificate, it doesn't list my father first and then my mother. And so it lists my father's race first and then my mother's. And so by definition, I'm black because my dad is black. Um on my birth certificate, okay. uh, my dad's birth certificate, my, my birth certificate says my dad's ethnicity is black hyphen white. Well, it says cock, C-A-U-C dot. Right. Um, and then right. my mom's ethnicity says cock slash Jap. Lovely to have that. Love it. Love having that on my damn birth certificate. Um, but so it does. And so on my birth certificate, I'm, I'm, I'm listed as black Japanese and Caucasian it's it's right. not my birth certificate because my parents but it's also father to it's other it's also father mother so my father 
and my mother and then how their racial breakdown is because both of my parents are biracial is their fathers right mm -hmm. so technically based off mm -hmm. of that description my father is black and my mother is white even though my mother grew up japanese and my white grandfather was nowhere around well he was around for the first 14 years and then he was gone right so if that were the case my my mother is white and my father is black and in my case mm -hmm. i'm black because my father is black but if i went even 150 that's years that's not why you're black though no i'm saying like on paper like on paper. Wait, gotcha. like on paper gotcha, gotcha. um but if you go just 150 years back what would i have been because at that time in the united states my ancestors would have been white appalachian people and enslaved people you'd have been black because you'd have been a slave M yeah maybe I no, not maybe. Well, it depends on which side I popped out on, right? Like, what if I did pop out on the Appalachian so side? You mean, you, you mean if you popped... Well, okay, I don't know. Uh, it well, depends on who so, the father was. Like, who the father and who the mother was. If the mother... Well, if you're going back to enslavement, you weren't going to be the result of a consensual relationship between a black man right. and a white woman. But now... But I don't know when that transition hit. I don't know. I don't know if it's Reconstruction. I don't know if it's if it's um, Jim Crow. Well, like, people, I don't know okay. when that transition started to happen because remember you had grandfather clauses and things like that that tried to prevent black people from getting access to property and getting access to voting. That did prevent of, black people yeah, from getting access based to any off of what their grandfathers were. But wouldn't you have had a white grandfather too potentially? You know what I'm like? What I'm saying? Like you have but, to. It has but, to be. Right, but I mean, that's but it's based off point. of. It's not, but it's but see like none of these things make sense because you're saying you have to you have to now classify children under the race of their mother well no it, but it does make sense because the, first of all let's be honest all classifications that come from authority government and institutions right are created for the benefit of those institutions not for sure. the benefit of the people who are being classified so she explains it they couldn't continue. You could not be on a plantation with a white dad and a black mom and be classified according to what your daddy was. So they created some new classifications. They didn't want them to and have again, access to Mulatto, quadroon, octoroon, even if you look, you know, like Housie or somebody, you were still, a, the bottom line, you were still, you yeah. were enslaved. You could the question look, is, I don't know when it transitioned so that well, by I 77, I am my, I am the race of my father versus the race of my mother. You're not, but you're not, no, you're still not the race of your father. I'm talking about on paper. I'm not talking about on my paper, identity. Yes, I'm okay. talking about on, like, I don't I know when in our, his, well, in, in our history, we transitioned from the, what your mother was back to what your patriarchy. father was. We're in a patriarchy. You're right. And you're out of the same. I don't know either. So anybody, and maybe she addresses it. I haven't watched the whole series or I'm sure we could look it up. Right? I mean, literally the lady at the DMV was like, your name is Charmaine. You're black. But she also saw on my paperwork that my father was black, you know, so that right. could also be at play well, in terms exactly. of how other people perceive you too. But you're also, I, I get to be assigned according to what my father was sometimes i mean you you could she could have also seen mother black and assigned you i don't know yeah I, 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 mean, that I guess i don't an know expert in patrilineal versus matrilineal mm -hmm. but you know my thing is my experience in the u.s with black and identity is that parentage is irrelevant right you're not in this country i mean yes okay on paper we're in a patriarchy we get that yeah. i mean i was so when you asked when it changed 
that's a good question for somebody to research. Yeah. And I would encourage all the listeners to research anything else they're comfortable. But what I know is as a boomer, mm-hmm. and just for context, I was born, I was born in the Pacific Northwest. I'm from Seattle, Washington. I was born when my parents' marriage was still illegal in 16 states in the United right. States. Is I race was born, on your birth certificate? Yeah. I was oh, born. It, is. Okay. it wasn't illegal in Seattle. I, which is why there were so many mixed couples and people there. Yeah. But in 16 states, mostly Southern, was mm-hmm. still illegal. I was born when segregation was still in full effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was almost grown when it when both those laws changed. Mm-hmm. Almost grown. Okay. And so context is important. So when I was born and growing up and coming of age, and when there were conversations among peers and adults about interracial relationships and in the small sphere of my immediate community, you know, where I grew up with, what is mixed? Mixed is your daddy is black and your mom's white, basically. I mean, and that was what it was. My mom was Jewish, but you know, that she was right. the only one in our community. So that, that's what it meant. Like when people said to me, are you mixed or what are you? I'm mixed. That was the end of the conversation because everybody knew what mixed ones was because it was so specific back then, unlike back then. now, obviously. Yeah. But let me finish. Black men and boys were still being lynched. Mm-hmm. Dot, I mean, they still are. But... For, the, for the accusation, for the presumption, for the assumption of walking on the same side of the street as a white girl or woman, for sure. looking at them, for speaking to them, for breathing the same airspace as them. So I grew up, You that was in your brain. Yeah. That there's people not in Seattle, but in the, in the South, we were aware of it. Right. And I mean, I, I want to say that on the West Coast, stuff like that was still happening, but probably not nearly to the degree that it was happening in the in the, in the South. Yeah, but and it wasn't a part of the it wasn't a part of the daily culture like it was. In right. The South. So yeah. let's be clear again, Jim Crow, right, you know, de-, de facto racism everywhere in the U.S., no exceptions. Mm-hmm. Jim Crow, slightly different. It was just straight up apartheid. Right. But. Yeah. I just want to say that for context. So you're you're making a good point. I don't I don't pretend to know when it changed, how it changed, or any of that. Um, yeah, races on my birth certificate. Um, and I, I feel like that was a very West Coast thing because I've talked to other people through the show and through other places that say that the race is not even on their birth certificate. It's not on my that... children's, and they were born on the East Coast, and I called up yeah, DC and, and like, Virginia, what? and I was like, "How are they supposed to travel internationally?" Like, they're ambiguous looking. Yeah. This yeah. is a problem. Like, I have to carry a birth certificate in addition to a passport and a visa. I know. Because that's what ends up happening, right? Like, especially with all these interracial couples that have ambiguous babies or the, the right. parent doesn't look like the baby in that moment. And yeah. now they're being accused of stealing a child right. um, while leisurely yeah. walking through a fucking park. Because that's exactly what you would do if you just stole a child. Um <laughs> <laughs> but exactly so there's so so, so many nuances so many yeah. so you're right but i mean i think that the big important part is that we're going back to is you can't separate Mm-mm. these histories like you literally can't separate these histories in some sense i'm going to use a trigger word but i'm going to use it because i think it's historically most accurate and representative this is a mulatto 
his the history of this country is mulatto. No, I think I think there's something to that. It's Absolutely. intertwined. You can't it's separate black yeah. and white. You can't. And yeah. I mean, here's the thing, like even a lot, and maybe this is a privilege thing. I, I, I'm not going to say that I know that as I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but a lot of our historical black figures that are a part of the reason why we had any advancements just so happen to also be black, white, biracial with a stronger black presentation. Okay. Douglas so. being one of them, links and Hughes, you know, like there's so many people well, Langston is different because he Langston's has. Langston's not Langston's father. He, Langston's father. His grandparents were Langston's father. Were the was, mixed was ones, mixed, I guess, yeah. or the but, interracial but, so ones. So for but, Frederick Douglass, but but and you're making. But a good still, point. ethnically. Well, he's ethnically. light skin. He's light skin black man. But but I'm with you, and I know we all process differently. But in the times, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, he but, wouldn't have been um, classified. I mean, even to this day, Frederick Douglass wouldn't be classified as well, mixed, even though he has. Well, Frederick Douglass had a white parent and a black parent. Yeah. Okay. So let's, I want to kind of stick with him. So I know what you're saying. And by the way, it, well, colorism, I don't think it's about privilege, but the privilege that comes with colorism, by the way, it's not coincidental all the way up to Barack Obama and Kamala Harris. So the letters okay, so and, yeah. that the leaders and the people allowed for mm -hmm. the most part into positions of power into the halls of power right. have been mixed black and not full black for lack of a better term. And this is a very contentious issue. Mm -hmm. It continues to be a very contentious issue and the arguments are valid, mm -hmm. but it is real. It is real. And so maybe, and sometimes I think about this, maybe with uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, we don't know that if Nicole Hannah-Jones were not biracial and very, very light-skinned, um, that we don't know that she would have been given whatever she was given resource wise, mm -hmm. respect wise at the New York times in the first place. And I'm not saying she wouldn't have been right. I just think it's something in the context of this podcast and who we are and what we're talking about today, because we always talk about everything, like you said, through the lens of mixedness mm -hmm. that it's possible, right. That that's part of the reason yeah got into that game even if it's an unbiased or an unconscious type of bias right like if if a darker skinned person would have been more of a shocker or more jarring in that room they would have gotten passed over they could have pitched well, they the have, exact same have project there. they have darker. i mean i thought about that when i first read about her getting the project i was like well. yeah but again i grew up in an era where you know you and it, it wasn't and by the way when colorism and light skinness is not always just mixed people not all mixed people are no light yeah all light skin people are mixed and i think that's really important because i know nowadays in the mixed space a lot of mixed people want to kind of retrofit some black folk and i'm like you right. gotta be careful you they gotta wouldn't be have really moved careful. like langston for example wouldn't have moved as a mixed person he was I, I would mixed. argue i would argue that well like ethnically there is ethnic but that so are most but, but so are most african americans if you went from 770,000 yeah. to however many millions she talks about in the first episode yeah. then all of those other people had white in them yeah but they wouldn't have so moved most african or been treated have, like a mixed person is is what i'm saying like i well, don't even know that frederick Douglass would have necessarily even thought of himself as multiracial he would have thought of himself as black i believe because no, he, well, he was mulatto he was a slave but he was i mean no i know that he i'm what i'm saying is 
all I'm saying is that he wouldn't have moved like that. He just because he'd be aware that he had a white parent doesn't mean he would have an identity necessarily as a mixed person. Whereas well, there was today, no such, okay, yeah, very clear. I'm, that's all I'm trying to say is there today was no we such move thing as mixed. mixed that's there what was I'm no trying to say. That's that's yeah. all I'm trying to say is that yeah, we right. have there mixed identity no mixed now. Identity. We didn't have mixed identity then. No. So no, not at all. So the people that what I was saying earlier about the light, the the it just so happens that some of the people that are black historical figures were ethnically multiracial, not moving as Absolutely. a multiracial yes. person. And, and, that, and, that and I was saying, I don't know if that is a, as if that is a privilege or a happenstance or what, like, I don't know why that happened to be the case in it's, a lot of these people. It's colorism. Colorism is probably a big thing. Oh no, it's colorism and the privilege. I'm just telling you. Well, I'm saying because Frederick that. Douglass wasn't a light-skinned person, you know, it like, was he was light-skinned in that co- in the context of his life. We're not his historical you're, you're, time. We're looking even through a 2023 lens, right? Yeah, he was light-skinned in that kind. And back then, it. So yeah, <laughs> but yes, it's colorism. It is absolutely colorism. It's still to this day. I've yeah. traveled in countries that are predominantly black, and everybody running for office and elected looked like me or lighter. Yeah. Many, I mean, many you, you just have to look at the Obama's relationship to really tell you, like, light-skinned Barack Obama became the president of the United States, but the treatment of a darker-skinned Michelle Obama as the first lady, well, absolutely, but that's you what know, I'm saying. So, tells I mean, you a no lot. Question. So it and back then you weren't. Everybody was so. <laughs> again, mixed identity wasn't a thing, and li, he was so. Frederick Douglass was. If you're looking into a 2023, then he ain't that light, and he got you know, the hair and all that. But again, in the context of when he lived, that wasn't how people were processed or moved. And yeah, so I wasn't making he, that claim. Everybody at all. knew, everybody knew he'd been born a slave. Everybody mm-hmm. knew he was half white. Mm-hmm. So these were just givens. They weren't things that were topics of conversations or that people spent a lot of time on because again, and I know that nowadays it's considered, you know, it's, it's talked about very differently, but my, you know, the way I was taught about the one drop rule is very simple. In enslavement, we were property. You had to protect your property. But while the white man was raping mm-hmm. and diluting blackness every chance he got, okay, you had to come up with all these categories and yeah. all these ways to ensure that you were still chattel slaves. You were still property. You were not human. You were not an individual. There was no in-between category. Right. Okay. No matter how light you appeared. Frederick Douglass, but, but the systems that were created during enslavement and have been maintained throughout all the eras, including now that are part of racism that bring in colorism and classism so that those who were half white, regardless of what they looked like, Mm -hmm. okay, and or who might not have been first-gen mixed, but were lighter-skinned, the boys, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, okay, were given the first general U.S. access to spaces, to universities, to government, to halls of power, to maybe they could get a meeting. Mm-hmm. okay so yeah well that's a good qu- like that's kind of the question is is 
like someone like Frederick Douglass with people having the knowledge of him being half white, does that allow him in more spaces than say Robert Smalls or yes. Harriet Tubman? Yes, because you know? into white spaces because often, again, this is the colorism and racism together because yeah. often, first of all, the entities in power are either all white or they're serving white supremacy. If there yeah. are if there are people of color in there or BIPOC or whatever your favorite word is, feel free to insert, okay? If there are black people in there, if Clarence Thomas is serving white supremacy. Absolutely. Okay, so, I mean, that's why he was put there. He, you know, he, his being black had no value to anybody. Yeah. They had to replace their good marshal. All right. Who was a light-skinned black man? A light-skinned, yeah. So again, yes, but for the most part, and it continues to this day, which is why I think it's essential for people to understand it. If white people are making the decisions of who gets to be in the room and who gets access to any iota of anything, mm -hmm. power, privilege, crumb off the table, whatever, in many cases, because this is simply how white supremacy objectively works, not all the time, but in many cases, they are likely to be more comfortable with the whiter person or the whiter yeah. appearing black person. Yeah. And I mean, to take this out of a political context, take it out of a power context, I'm sorry, all we have to do is look at Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood hasn't slowed down one iota. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood just black with whether it's Asians, Latins, Native Americans, black people, yeah. mixed black people, right? The Colorism skin. is yep. so normative that that's part of how it's perpetuated. So I guess what I'm saying to you is, I'm sorry, I get passionate about this, y'all. These things are so interwoven, we can't take a thread and dangle it up as though it's separate. It's not part of the quilt. Yeah. Everything is part of the quilt. So yes, Fred was, but in, in that time, you look at him, you go, okay, he got a white dad because mama got right. Yeah. Cause I, I felt like it was always a dismissible thing. I mean, cause even in, in my early time, like before this current generation has started to separate themselves or be separated, whichever direction is happening. Um, from blackness as mixed people in the time I'm growing up, the time you're growing up and before it was, I almost want to say it was almost like a courtesy to even mention your other part. Right. Cause it was like, you're black, you got a, you know, you got a black parent, you're black. And if people happen to know your other parent, that's how I'm Japanese. That's how I'm black with a Japanese mom. Right. Versus I'm oh, you're talking Japanese. about nowadays. Okay, I got nowadays. You. Yeah, but yes. it's but it's, it's happened so quickly because it like I'm not that old. You know, I'm only 45, and it's just it's just in my lifetime that it's yeah. gone from you got a black parent, you're black. To well, it's not just in your lifetime; it's in the last few years. Yeah, it's just in the last few years. It's just in the last few years that that has happened. That people that that you know, like you said, whether it's mixed people wanting to distance from blackness or or the other way around. Black person people want to gatekeep us out. And both things are happening simultaneously. Both things are happening. I don't both I don't know where it started, but it both are happening. Right, exactly. It's been going on for I'd say a little more than a decade, but really intensely the last maybe five, six years. Yeah. Um 
I feel you. And that's a whole topic to get into, but I think that- I just, know, we, we probably accidentally end up in it every, almost every yeah, time but, we but, talk to, right? Because we're both, we're both very immersed in these spaces and those are, yeah. these are big concerns. But again, I so what I want to do is for the, for the mixed folk out there who aren't Black identified, especially if you have any Black in your mix anywhere of any kind, mm -hmm. and especially if you happen to reside in the United States or want to better understand the United States. Because again, for better or for worse, U.S. culture, pop culture, and military politics impact mm -hmm. large swaths of the world, mm -hmm. okay? for Again, for better or for worse, but that's just reality. It's and just so reality. if you want to better understand this, this machine, you know, on any level, politically, culturally, historically, militarily, or any other kind of way, I would again say watch the sixteen nineteen project. It's not going to answer all your questions, but the you know it's good a good concept, jump off, right? It's going to give you some concepts that connect us, and the best thing you can do is make you want to learn more, and then you go Absolutely. off on your own to access other resources or start asking questions, start having discussions with people. What about? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing, right? There's things that are probably in the back of your head that doesn't feel right when you're learning about history that you can't, you know, you can't place your finger on. I mean, you could probably say in general terms, racism or white supremacy, but right. like, why doesn't this feel right? And I think this is a small example of that that happens on this show. And it's not in your face. It's just there. She goes to Williamsburg, Virginia, which is sort of a functioning old old time town type of thing, which is trying to show you life in, in um, that era of Virginia, of early enslavement, pre-United pre States forming the colonies, right? Mm -hmm. And she's there and she's just like, notice the absent, noticing the absence of Black people in this colonial, um, like live action colonial space, which is supposed to show you life in colonial times <laughs> well how do you have life in colonial times without seeing black faces or black bodies that doesn't make any sense and so while she's not again she's not beating you over the head with it she just happens to be in williamsburg virginia uh, she happens to mention the lack of black people that are in the area around her she's showing us all these white people in colonial outfits and yes there is the occasional black person in a colonial outfit you know driving the the horses or something like that but it's like one out of dozens of people that you're seeing and that just doesn't seem like that would be realistic but when you go there would you be thinking that actively or would you just be like something about this feels weird and you're not really placing that the thing that feels weird is that you're seeing the lack of actual history which is the lack of black people present in a time where the labor force was entirely most likely non-white great question i think that's you know a really no that's an awesome description and a really, really vital question. And another reason to start to, to for wherever you are, wherever you're coming yeah. from, to consume this content, if nothing else, as a starting point or an introduction. Yeah, because I saw that and I immediately thought, well, why, why wouldn't it be okay? Like, if, if we're legitimately talking about this is a historical site and we're trying to preserve the knowledge of this history, besides white supremacy and all the functions that, that it has for white people, what is the fear in knowing enslaved people were here? You know, what, what is, why, why is that the thing? And you would go there, you would feel weird about it. You might not put your finger on it, but then you watch this program and you're like, oh yes, 
the lack of black people there. That's what feels wrong about this place. Now let me go look into what would have actually happened. What would have been more reasonable in this, in this town in that, at that time, you could use that as a jump off to do a little bit of research. The music, exactly. the, the mother, the race episode, episode two, where they do talk about black mothers and the creation of gynecology and how mm -hmm. this white doctor is known as the father of gynecology. But what is not uh, associated with this story is that he practiced exclusively on black women, non-consensual, non without uh, anesthesia, which was available at the time. And those names of those women are lost to time, lost to history, except for three women, which are immortalized in a, you know, like a, a statue. Uh, you get the clean part of the history. Oh, the father of gynecology. He did all this great stuff. So now we can practice gynecology. But what is hidden from that story is how many dozens and dozens of black women were harmed, probably killed, maybe, or at least damaged in a way that over time, probably they died from what happened to them because of this creation of this new medicine, right? And the fact yes. that we don't know who any of these women are. So I feel like at every level that this show is is showing us, they're showing you the top part of the history that you know and the bottom part of the history that's hidden and not in, in like complete, here's everything that's happened. It's just enough of a dose for you to say, okay, I understand that there's something more to this. It's like finding out that the term grandfather clause has a racist origin or that the mm -hmm. ice cream music song that plays on an ice cream truck has a racist origin. It's, you, you get the cute stuff on the top and and you just need some kind of exposure to let you know what's what's happening underneath. And that's what this show is doing. It's giving you just these doses of exposure so that you can choose to yeah. actively look for that yourself or just make an effort to try to be slightly more aware of every single thing, every form, every function, every thing you participate in. And I, I bet you that capitalism episode is going to fuck up a lot of people because when you can correlate Amazon picking to cotton. Yes. I think um, that's me up. I'm not going to lie. And that I'm was just your soul. clip. Like you haven't even gotten into the whole episode yet. That's just that opening clip. Once exactly. You, you're just like, oh exactly. shit, this is what's happening in the world. And you yes. like to think as an American, no matter what your race, color, creed, or class, you like to think that that level of um, uh, ex uh, exploitation is happening in Asia. It's happening in other places, right? That's where the children laborers are still happening. That's where the poor people yes. are being exploited. That's where that's the, the bad day, people over there doing that's it. That's them. That's why we want to buy American and blah, blah, blah. All that shit that you see here in the United States, not realizing that the same practices are happening to exploit people here as happening anywhere Absolutely. in the world, but that we Absolutely. perfected it, that this country perfected yes. it. Yes. So much so that it can transition out of enslavement into other industries everywhere it's still continuing with, it's still continuing and literally the systems that they set up for assembly lines that they set up for the industrial revolution all of that starts in in enslavement the ledger yep. system starts in enslavement like you yep. get all of these things and once you start to see it you can't you can't unsee that like like at this point i'm moving through the world with every single thing i do going i wonder how this is racist just assuming it is at this point but like literally wondering what don't i know because that's, <laughs> because that's what this country is founded on yeah. and that's why so think about this and i don't like to give too much energy to this but there's you know it's 
always wise to pay attention to what people in power and authority are trying to keep you from. Right. Like the book burnings and the book bannings. Well, not just the book burnings and book bannings. Entire curricula. Not I mean, that's just, just one thing. Yeah, entire curriculum. Yeah. And not just in red states and not just in Florida. Not just in red states, yeah. Okay. Not just red states, not just southern states, not just Florida. Don't that, assume that your blue states in are here, safe either. Well, that racism is racism. And racism yeah. is the foundation of this entire country and every institution in it. And she just touches, like you said, when she talked, you know, the maternal health and it doesn't matter. You could be Serena Williams. Yeah. Who yeah. almost died in childbirth after a natural, healthy delivery. And shit, if that you, doesn't tell doesn't, you. Well, it, but it level, does tell you. You know, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it doesn't, yeah. if it doesn't trigger the thought that even Serena Williams who right. has resources, who has financial resources. He's a multimillionaire. Could not get the attention or the belief, just the belief from she her own doctor. She almost died after she a healthy, normal childbirth. If that Maternal doesn't tell you that there is a racist system within true. medicine, then you got a lot of work to do. You know, like you have so much work to do. Well, it's a racist system in every aspect of American life. Yeah. I'm with you. But the thing that's really hard and jarring is to, as you said, walk through the world. And I think this series helps give um, a foundation for it is the reality is that every institution is there is racism in every institution, in every aspect of American life. Racism is present and active, as active today as it's ever been, as active today as it was in enslavement, in um, Reconstruction. In yeah. Jim, Crow, Jim Crow, right? And and again, Jim Crow was in my lifetime. I so, mean, it, it's probably harder to detect now because everything has a smile in front of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, part of that is regional because in the South, nothing has a smile in front of it. I live true. in the South voluntarily. No, in the South. Well, like a person in California South. being surprised that the, like, the LA, well, yeah, LAPD is Coast, racist. You know, you're in Texas like, and I'm in Georgia. There's no smiles. There's no pretense. Yeah. And I I actually prefer my racism like that because you can't be blindsided. It's nobody's easier to know where you like stand you. and how yeah, to nobody's maneuver. pretending to like you. And it's yeah. and, and so it doesn't hit the same kind of way. Right. You just know, you know, it's there. It's never not overt. Yeah. But right? in places where it is less overt. Yeah. It's to me. That's way scarier because. And you it's don't more know stressful. how many ways in which you're being undermined. Like you might have yes. a, a, a glimpse, you might feel something, it might be a gut feeling or something like that. But the ways in which these so-called safer places right. are undermining you. Um, and gaslighting you. And gaslighting you and making you feel like it's something about you or whatever. That's right. Um, it is kind of something that I'm curious about what my experience will be as I move to a different country that will have different racial categories that will have different colorism treatments and things like that i'm i'm curious to see what i'm what becomes super obvious to me as an american in places and what you know hopefully over time someone will educate me on and i'll pick up or i'll learn to pick up um because here in the united states i feel like at this point it's no longer surprising to find out that something has a racist origin right banking life insurance Everything. you know like all of these industries that were created because of enslavement that are still active today and we're and and we're taught we're not taught that that's its origin right. you know at this point you could tell me literally anything in our system 
has a racist origin, I'll be like, yeah, obviously. But did I know that 10 years ago? I don't, I don't know that I did. I think right, I because you, you have to, you have to work to know it. You have to work to know it. Yeah. And it's a lot of work to know it. And so again, this 1619 project currently streaming on Hulu Helps is a great point of entry for those mm-hmm. who haven't entered the space, but it doesn't, it's, it doesn't beat you over the head. You're not going to feel beaten up. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, but it's also really critical, no matter who you are, no matter how you move through the world, these are things it's essential to be aware of because these are just facts. They're just facts. And I think even the white people that they have as experts coming in to talk about certain moments so far within the show, they're they're not making excuses. They're calling it a, a spade a spade. They're like, oh, yeah. this system was created for this enslavement this system was created for this kind of disenfranchisement and and we're talking about historians we're talking about economists like they they've they've tapped experience um uh, experts in different levels some of these experts are black some of these experts are white some of these experts are from different racial categories and they're just they're just telling you what the fact of the matter is enough for you to start doing more deep dives and everything like that so definitely recommend it even though i haven't finished the series yet i'm almost I'm, I'm at the start of the fear episode, which is episode five, which I already know, like I had see the reason why I'm at the start of it is because I started it. And then I was like, <laughs> not today. <laughs> so, so you're saying number, cause I'm behind you in episode. So you're saying number five is one you have to brace yourself for. I think, I think so. I mean, I, I, any of us are, are, are probably sensitive to a certain amount of things, but for me, growing up in Long Beach, seeing what I saw growing up in the, in the age of the Vikings of the LAPD, the, the white intercop gang that, that was, um, uh, you know, killing and, and harming black folks in my time. Um, what I got to see growing yeah. up, that's, yeah. it's, it's hard for me. It's, that's it, why certain things have to really amp me up to even address it on the show um, while some of them trigger me and some don't to speak. And that's because some of them are so hard and tied to a memory of something I experienced or that I watched happen or that happened to someone I knew back when I was growing up and stuff like that, that anything that having to do with the lynching of black men in particular and, and also of black women, that's not really talked about in the same language and the same terminology and stuff like that. Like anytime I'm looking at a white authority causing harm doing something towards black people i mean none of us can really take it it's not easy it's not easy no it's not easy when it triggers like a direct memory like so that's kind of what happened is that i was like in the first few minutes and it was just like oh you know what i need to like tell myself what we're about to experience and i just flowed into the episode so i was like finishing episode four and it was rolling into there so i let it play and I was kind of like doing stuff on my phone to kind of get myself ready um, to do other things. And then I was like, oh, wait, they just said some shit. I'm not ready. Not today. Today's not the day I'm going to watch this one. I'm going to watch this one another time. Um, yep. So like yep. I, if I watch it later tonight or I watch it over the weekend, I think it'll take like an hour or so before watching it to be like, OK, we're doing this to get the education. Yes. Not to be triggered. 
say, yes. okay, you know, like try to think myself. You have it. to prepare yourself. And I don't necessarily know that it's going to be that jarring of an episode. It's the concept that is killing me. Not, not any visual that I saw and anything like that. It's just the acknowledgement and the awareness that what we're going to talk about is the, is the very real thing about the, the active continuation of lynching of black people in this country sanctioned by the government you know like yes that's not an easy subject to jump into when you're just chilling you know and even as a podcaster who's trying to talk through some of these things um like recently the i ended up watching that you people show the kenya bears joint that i wasn't planning on watching um but because a number of black people who are in my friend group said they enjoyed it i was like okay let me check it out now I got to have some conversations with some of these black folks wondering why, like, you know, mixed people, uh, uh, even though it's not about mixed folks, it's about an interracial couple, but still it's a bird of, and a fish story. And I got feelings, but immediately the people that were reaching out to me, like, did you watch this? Did you watch this? Did you watch this and stuff like that. And I had watched it by that point. Like even that, I, I thought I was about to just watch a comedy and yet, you know, like I, I didn't want, I already knew I didn't want to watch it, but I watched it anyway. And now I have all these families I got to deal with. Same type of thing. Like that's a comedy I mean, thing. And that I mean, jarred me enough to be like, oh, I'm so frustrated with this thing. Self-care. Here's the same thing. But this one is a more real, you know, real one. It's, we're going to see right, probably right. the, there is, um, there's an early video of harassment of Ahmaud Aubrey that happens not, not when he's killed, but months before and even just watching that moment, knowing, oh, I can feel it coming, like knowing that that is one of a series of situations he was in before he was actually murdered yeah. by white people. Yeah. Like that was like, okay, I need, I need to think about when I watch this going forward. Um, self-care. Yeah. It's in, a, it's in, a, in these situations, you're, thank you for letting me know. Um, but I think that for all of us, we all have different triggers. Yeah. Some of them we were born with because multi-generational yeah. trauma is trauma, yeah. And some of them come, as you so eloquently just described, from our actual experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit, the movie Straight Outta Compton was my time period in, a, in Long Beach. And the second that movie starts, I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, like, <laughs> I, was just, I was right back in there, you know, 14 years old and stuff like that. And, and, it's, and again, I wouldn't necessarily argue that Straight Outta Compton is a a horribly triggering movie generally but that's my neighborhood those are the people that I grew up around and and so what I was seeing even in these really small moments were just like oh shit that's my that's bringing me to a whole lot of stuff from the past so I would just say in the case of the fear episode because I'm not all the way through it yet I would say take care before you get yourself into it and definitely Thank after you. you get in stuff into it. Yes. Um, because the other episodes so far of what, of what I've watched in the first four is no, nothing so jarring that you're experiencing. It's more of just the, ah, you know, like, not oh. jarring for us because we're tra- practiced in it because we're trained in it because we've experienced it. Uh, but I think it, for some listeners, I think that's, that's what I wanted to, you know what I mean? For some, yeah, listeners, I guess driving home honor, to honor, if something feels like too much, honor that, mm-hmm. find ways to honor it. And thank you again for the, the heads up on the fear episode. But if something feels too much, don't override yourself. Don't gaslight yourself. Sure. Don't doubt yourself. Honor yourself. If you need, and I do this all the time with all kinds of things, but especially around race, racism, et cetera, like you just said, 
Um, I will avoid things. Mm-hmm. I will find another way to read a synopsis or sure. you know, things like that. So I don't have to actually watch it. But I think that, that, that we must honor our own, even if they don't make sense to us, because right. there's visceral things that you might not make sense on the surface. So while you're watching it, if you're feeling triggered, turn it off. And, you know, one of the things I do is I'll go watch something real fluffy. Okay, so funny. I actually did that last night, and I didn't even think that that's what I did. I ended up watching the miniseries from 1998 of The Temptations. Oh, yeah. After the yeah. Um, after the music episode. Yeah. And, you know, because Otis Williams is, is Otis in the music Williams episode. Otis Williams is still there. And, Nobody can um, see you, Otis. Go ahead. That's exactly. So that was in my head the whole time. And so I ended up, I'm like, I need to watch this again. So Because I haven't seen that probably in I need to, where, where don't you see it? Is it streaming? It's on uh, Amazon Prime for oh, free. Right there, down, honey. Yeah. So if you want to watch The Tem- Temptations, if you for those of you on TikTok wondering. Is it called The Temptations? It's just called The Temptations. It's the miniseries from, I think, 1998. I need to rewatch um, it. Thank you. So those of and you that are on the TikToks and you're wondering where the, no one's here to see you, Otis. No one's coming here. So yeah, you um, y'all thing that keeps popping history. up. That's where it comes from. It comes from the Temptations movie uh, miniseries. Yes. Uh, yes. The acting is terrible, but it's amazing, and I love it. Yes, <laughs> it was absolutely. But yeah, that was it was so bad because now thanks to social media, I saw Otis Williams. I was like, oh my god, thank you. He's here, and I was like, nobody. So yeah, yes. yeah. So yes. um, I ended up doing that as like a you know, because because the music thing actually is triggering to me in a way, not not an obviously oh. like a violence type of way, but just in this continued anger that like literally everything black hands touch everything get co-opted gets stolen and then you're and then you know what got me there's a clip and you probably remember this where it's um uh little richard is singing uh yep. you know wah, blah, 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 right and then fucking pat boone right after yep. tutti yep. fruity and i'm just yep. sitting here like like it's not that i don't know that exists it's not that i, don't I know, know i know i know but when you see it you're just so you're just like how did anybody not feel oh that, we know, felt because I grew well, up yes, of course, happening. but it's just, it's so, it's so fucking irritating and so frustrating. So like, for me, I just wanted the palate cleanse of, let me see black music Absolutely. done by black people palette owned cleanse. by black people. And, palette and cleanse. that, you know, for me, that's what I ended up doing. I ended up watching the Tim and I, I had it on my mind. I've been wanting to watch it again because that clip keeps popping up and stuff. Yes. Um, so I wanted to watch it again. So I was just like made that the time that I ended up doing it. And as far as the fear episode is gonna is concerned, what I think it will be easier about the fear episode versus like, like I I still choose not to watch any of the videos of lynchings of black people happening currently. Right. Right. Um, and if I follow people that share it, I have to end up questioning whether or not I continue following them or I mute them right. or something like that because That's I don't right. want to. I don't need to continue to see. No. Lynchings to understand its impact. I grew right. up in Long Beach. I saw, you know, I saw things that I saw. I'm, I'm definitely traumatized by some of the stuff that I saw growing up. Um, but I don't want to get away from the, the I don't want to miss the information that is right. going to be shared. And I don't think that uh, this is going to be, I, I don't think this is going to show uh, extremely jarring footage. But even in the situation where you're watching a video of Ahmaud Aubrey where he does walk away alive, it's knowing what's going to happen to him. That's almost harder to watch. It, you know, that it is like, I was, I was real teared up while I was watching it and I, and I put the pause button on. I'm like, uh, I'm going to get back to this one because I do think it's important for me to watch this episode, but right. 
I was I need to be in a mind frame to be able to watch it. Now, yes. will I ever get into the mind frame to watch the murder of Tyree? No. Am I gonna, you know, like I'm never Nor gonna I'm you. never I'm not gonna put you? myself through something like that. But I do think that I can I can gain from the education that is gonna be dispelled in this episode that I think is coming. Um yes. I just I would I need to be in a mind to watch that one. Yes. And then for the last one, the last one's justice. And again, I haven't watched that one yet either but justice i imagine is going to be triggering in a completely different way because of how little justice we get to see on a, on a daily basis in in our That's community right. and so just in in wrapping up uh i want to say that i think the treatment of each each episode that i've seen so far has been very thoughtful has been um like guided i don't want to say that she doesn't make hard points i want to say that she's she's softly guiding people into the larger yes. story which is what you need to know right yes and and while she may hit you with the occasional here's a hard statement it's not a constant brow beating of a situation no. it's just like this is the fact of the situation and when she feels emotion she feels it on camera she she doesn't shy away from those moments yes um, stories yeah because like when you're when you watch some of these programs, these historical programs, and you're looking through ledgers of enslaved people or something, you're just looking for, you're just looking at words on a page. If that doesn't impact you, if that doesn't choke you up, I have more questions about your empathy. Well, the and, empathy it, and, then, and your identification. If right, and, and that too. If you but, have Black in you. But just knowing that stuff like this has happened, I think should trigger some emotion for some people. And if it doesn't, I got more questions to to yeah. come and stuff and so getting to see because this is something that's kind of missing in journalism and i didn't mean to start on this path but um what is missing in journalism is that you're literally supposed to be non-biased which i think is impossible but you know it is impossible <laughs> i'll say that but, as a journalist y'all yeah it's impossible. your it's approach is supposed to be like well know. even that has roots in racism but we'll talk about that i later. would say that too but yeah. in this case it doesn't it doesn't take away from what I'm learning. I think I understand I'm learning from the perspective of the person sharing the information. So if that person is showing emotion about the topic and this topic is an emotional topic to me, then I, I think that they're probably handling it with as much care as they can understanding that they have their own biases and all this other kind of stuff. And they come from different experiences or whatever, but because I get to see that she is also emotional about this, I'm more tuned in to hear yes. what's coming because I think I think she's taking care as much care as she can with the story. The yes. same part, the flip of that is also if I see a headline that's like, you know, what what the 1619 project gets wrong in history or something like that. I I get that that's not for me too, because I'm I'm assuming that this person is divorcing themselves from the actual history of enslavement in this country so knowing the emotion of the person writing actually is a benefit to me yes. I think um, the non-bias thing I don't think is a hundred percent necessary I think there are some cases in which non-bias is important like I think you you should try not to put a lot of your personal things into teaching or you know or something like that or your politics even you know listen to your constituents and shit like that but um were reasonable uh but in this case getting to see that she was also 
experiencing emotion about stuff that wasn't directly tied to her or her family, but just the history of our people. That was important to me. Um, So I do think it's a very thoughtful approach and I, I appreciate this series. And honestly, I hope it does go longer than six episodes because I think there's, there's more it would be to expose amazing if it would just continue although i don't know she has the bandwidth but like what if I it was the that. cosmos but you know the pbs cosmos show but for right american history you know just um, black american history yes yeah and so yeah i so but yeah I, continued I recommendation to the audience recommendation to watch through it watch through it with care in moments yes. that you do feel triggered um, and you know what? It doesn't actually hurt to have a notepad next to you because there's some stuff I had to go back oh, to because I was like, oh, I forgot there was this thing about such and such. And so I ended up going back with a notepad afterwards. So I have rewatched the first and second episodes. I will rewatch I'm gonna, the third yes, and fourth same, ones also. Um, same. Just to get some of those names or those locations or whatever that mm-hmm. I didn't know about before. And so, uh, yes, I love that. And I, I want to say that she made this this series, all the people involved, she made, the series was made, as you just described, Charmaine, with ju- not just a lot of straight up brilliance, forget intelligence, but heart. And like you said, care, mm-hmm. like you said, care. And she doesn't, you're not laid out from the trauma no like so many of us often get yeah you know or can be like you said she there's it it's it's balanced enough that if you again you know we're our thing is always if anything triggers you don't second guess yeah. yourself T- just you know turn it off do something else yeah right take care come back if you can when you can or go to another episode let's just be perfectly honest we That's all true. like i read a lot of books I flip around sometimes. I'll be like, okay, I can't handle this one today, but this one, I think I could. I mean, it's yeah. okay to watch them out of order or it's okay to skip through, but but in general, watch as much as you can in the order presented mm-hmm. because I can't imagine that this isn't going to benefit everyone who watches it. Yeah. And I do feel that while the each individual episode isn't necessarily hearkening back to the previous episode, they are stacking concept wise. Oh yeah. And you enter a democracy and the creation of democracy in the United States. Then you go into race and then you go into capitalism and then you go into yes. um, what's the next one uh, or music you go in. I guess capitalism is the music one. Um, no, no, there's democracy, race, oh, music, capitalism, music. fear. Fear and then justice, right? So, like, I, I, I feel that getting the information through that lineage will probably solidify what happens to the to the black population here in this country a little bit better than randomly learning something about black trauma. You know, you know. I think like that because this this wasn't a system built overnight. This was a system that continued to evolve and change as they saw us still existing, saw us still surviving, saw us finding joy, you know, what have you. Um, I think, I think that is, is, uh, is clear, but yeah, I'm, I, um, so this is, this is February. We are a, we are uh, acknowledging black history month. I think this was a great way to address it in in the McSanti Confidential is talking about the 1619 project. As 
especially maybe, I don't know, because um, it is created by a black, white, biracial woman with black identity um, that is able to pick up maybe just through experience as a mixed person that, oh, this story has a different, this story has more layers. I think that that's important for this audience. For this audience, yeah. The fact of who she is and that, that she brings it into the series. Yeah. And weaves it throughout the series is important for this audience. And doesn't shy away from the ugliness in her family either, because she talked exactly. about stuff with her grandfather, her white grandfather, and stuff like that too. Exactly. So, so which so many people can relate to in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's Absolutely. important for this audience. It doesn't I I think that everybody should watch the series. Okay. Everybody can take away something very different. What I think the mixed community can take away from it is how much we are also a part of this history. Like yes, and you, you can't and how we how you just regardless of people's personal preferences and racial politics, these threads cannot be separated. Yeah. They can't be. And and to be fair, even if you're not a black mixed person, but there's indigenous mixed people in this country who have a very similar, you know, right. way of treatment that they experience. Um there's Asian mixed people in this country because of the Chinese Exclusion Act and the railroads and all the and Japanese internment exactly. and stuff like that too. So while it might be a different colored person that you're looking about looking at being talked about, the parallels, the system of white supremacy is at play across the board. If you can recognize it in a group outside of yourself and you're not seeing it in your own, you might go, hey, didn't didn't they do that to us too? Exactly. That's how how we can cross over across no matter what your mix is. It's it's uh, but for the for the person who is here in this country, you're gonna see the parallels regardless of what your mix is. It just so happens that the the bloodline of America itself starts with black bodies. Starts with black bodies and was built on black bodies. Yeah. And built by black bodies. Uh, why don't you tell everybody how to find the Mixed Auntie Confidential? Before mixed Auntie Confidential. So it's mixedauntie.substack. And um, come get me. I'm, you know, we talk about a lot of things, things that are, I often dive um, into things that are sparked by my conversations with the brilliant Sir Auntie May, <laughs> who I'm talking to in my head hours and hours each day. She doesn't even know that, but um, processing these things and pro- and thinking about y'all as well. Um, so yeah, come see me at Mixed Auntie Confidential. You can just Google her, Google Teresa Mixed Auntie. It'll come up and, you know, come and see what we're doing and what we're talking about and let us hear from you. Yeah, we want interaction on these episodes for sure. Yeah, we want y'all to start hitting us up. How, tell us how. Tell them how they. So can now do that. you can actually go to Anchor.fm/slash/militantlymix and click on the message button. It'll allow you to record a message to send to to us, which we can use on the show, or we can just address directly, depending on the nature of the conversation or the question that gets asked or the comment that gets mentioned. This is something I've been trying to beg the audience for since the beginning of the show is like send me messages like get involved um you know some of that ends up being a little bit of free labor uh i'm i'm having to to you know work with somebody about how often they they hit me up for a personal discussion but for a more broad and interactive with an episode thing definitely reach out and send those voicemails um in addition to that 
It is the Mix Auntie Confidential and Militantly Mix combined that is doing the Be Your Mixed Ass Self uh, anthology, which we are now currently accepting submissions for. We just got another one yesterday or the day before yesterday. I was on the road, though, when it happened or resting from the road, something like that. Uh, So shout out to everybody who has uh, submitted so far, uh, but we still have until March 15th. So get those entries in. You have to go to militantlymix.com and click on the Be Your Mixed Ass Self Anthology tab, or just go to militantlymix.com slash B-Y-M-A-S Anthology. Uh, read through all those guidelines. Make sure you read through them thoroughly so you know that what you submit qualifies and then click on that submit payment button there. Email your submission to Charmaine at militantlymix.com and we will start reviewing those after the uh, submission period closes. March 15th. We March want 15th. to hear from y'all and you don't have to be a professional writer. Mm-mm. You don't. It's all good. We want to hear from you. We want your stories about challenges and how you've overcome them to be your mixed ass self. We want to really amplify your voices, lift them up and share them. And I just want to end with um, a a shout out and a virtual hug to our cousin, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who we've been talking about this whole time (laughs) Um, in case for whatever reason, I mean, if we hashtag or maybe she'll look at this or hear it to let her know how much her work means. And the fact that she's even doing this work, I believe, you know, this is part of my personal belief system. Um, I don't try to give it to anybody else, but I believe that she is doing this work directed by the ancestors. And that is what gives a, a lot of the power um, that this is some ancestral work she's doing. And I, I believe it even more, to be honest, now that I've seen her on the series and just mm-hmm. in her body language mm-hmm. that comes through in her presence, yeah. it comes through. And so she's doing some divine ancestral work, not only for her ancestors, but for ours. So Nicole Hannah-Jones, wherever you are, I want to give you lots of love, appreciation, and uh, appreciate how you are showing us how you are being Being your your mixes. (laughs) Girlfriend. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at militantly mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of militantly mixed, please go to patreoncom slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.